Revelation chapter 18. We conclude looking at Babylon this morning. Revelation 17, we talked about Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. We taught you about a religious so-called church, the wife of Satan. Of course, we know the Lord has his bride. Revelation 19 shows us the bride. And then Revelation 21, Revelation 17 and 18 go together because you need to realize that Babylon is not just a religious system. And it's not just Catholicism and all those things we talked about last week. Babylon consists of a system of religion, economics, and politics. Okay? That's why in Revelation 17, she is called Mystery Babylon or Figurative Babylon. Okay? So you have a literal Babylon, modern-day Iraq, but then you have a figurative Babylon, which is not literal Babylon, it's figurative Okay, do you understand that? It is a mystery Babylon. See, if it were just literal Babylon, there's really no, really no mystery to literal Babylon. Okay, but because it's mystery Babylon and it's figurative Babylon, it means that it has come out of the ancient Babylonian system. Its roots are located there. Okay, hence it's figurative. It's the, the baby out of Babylon. All right. Whether it be religious, politically, or economically, it is the baby that has come out of Babylon of ancient times. Okay? So you have a literal Babylon, but then you have, and it's still today, Iraq. Today, Iraq is Babylon, but you have a figurative Babylon. That's what I want you to understand. Figurative Babylon, mystery Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18. Okay? Both of these chapters deal with an aspect of Babylon in a figurative form. All right? That was a mouthful. If you get that, you'll have some understanding. Okay. Uh, Revelation 18, verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So even in the 18th chapter, she's still called a woman. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The same thing that was said in Revelation 17. The Bible says, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that she be not partakers of her sins, and that she receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her, double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill uh, to her double. She hath filled to her double. 
how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. That's what she says. But that's not what God says. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her, and uh, when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off, for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. See the economic system here. The merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones, of pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, all Thyan wood and manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass, iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and the souls of men." And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. All things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off from the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, or in one hour so great riches has come to naught. Very rich empire. And every shipmaster and all the co company in ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. So now the merchants out there in the sea cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads. How do you cast dust on your heads out in the middle of an ocean? Something has happened that has caused devastation to be carried out into the seas. They cried weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets. For God hath avenged you on her. She is a great persecutor of the people of God and the prophets of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all see that? And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be, be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. No craftsman or whatsoever craft he be, he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. 
and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. The voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Figurative Babylon. Father God, we praise you right now for your awesome word today. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint us, God, to bring it forth. We pray, quicken in our spiritual word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this is the seat of Antichrist power that is being destroyed here in Revelation 18. This is the seat of the kingdom of the beast politically and economically and religiously that is being destroyed here in this chapter. Particularly, politically and economical Babylon is the focus in this chapter. You see the wealth of this mystery Babylon, this figurative Babylon, described it there. It again is the seat of the Antichrist kingdom. Now go with me and let's look at a few verses here. Let me give you again a timeline. At the sounding of the seventh trumpet, at the end of the tribulation period, Revelation 14 showed us the 144,000 standing on Mount Zion, okay, having been glorified and translated to Mount Zion, awaiting the rapture, okay? The dead at the sounding of the trumpet had been raised from the dead, glorified, but not yet raptured. Are you here? And those that are alive going through the tribulation period have received a glorified body. Okay? At the sounding of the seventh trumpet. As you read through, we talked about it. I'm not going to reteach Revelation 14, but you will see certain angels flying in the midst of heaven, preaching everlasting gospel, etc. Certain announcements made at the conclusion of the tribulation period. Okay? And then the bowls of wrath falling upon the earth as one messenger flies through the heaven preaching the everlasting gospel and warning people on the earth about don't take the mark, those that are righteous, don't take the mark. And he tells you the results of those who take the mark, which is eternal damnation. In verse 8, chapter 14, verse 8, it says, There followed another angel, saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So Revelation 14 is the same thing that we're reading in Revelation 18. It is declared in Revelation 14 because it's giving you a timeline. Okay? Immediately following the fall of Babylon, then you will have, if you look at verse um, 15, another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. So Babylon is destroyed. Following Babylon's destruction is the rapture of the church. Okay? I read it to you there. This is the sequence of events. All right, verse 8, the destruction of Babylon. Verse 15 and 16, the rapture of the church. Okay? Now, you need to understand, though, again, because Babylon has fallen in verse 8, 
We're going to see it in just a minute, Revelation 16. It's not till the seventh seal is, the seventh vial is poured out. As to the timing of it, it's when the seventh bowl of wrath is poured out. Okay? Are you with me up to this point? This can be very confusing. All right. Again, the sequence of events. The sounding of the trumpet, 144,000 standing on Mount Zion. Resurrection of the dead. Glorify, glorification of the living saints of God. Still upon the earth, bowls of wrath begin to be poured out as it is announced by the seventh trumpet. Babylon is destroyed, Revelation 14, verse 8. But Revelation 16 tells you when it actually happens, and it's in the seventh seal. Okay? All right. At the conclusion of the seven seals, after Babylon is destroyed, then we have the reaping of the church, verses 15 and 16 of chapter 14. Right? Then the Bible says, it goes on, talks about another reaping. Let me get there. Are y'all following me here? Verse 17 Another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Battle of Armageddon. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even in the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. So then you have the destruction of Babylon. Okay? In the seventh seal is when it happens. Then you have the rapture of the church the reaping from the earth of God's people, and then following the rapture of the church, you have the day of his wrath or the battle of Armageddon. So the destruction of Babylon does not happen at the battle of Armageddon. The destruction of Babylon precedes it by a short period of time. Okay? Revelation 16, let's look at it. In verse 17... Uh, let me back up just a minute. Verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. So in the sixth seal, or the sixth vial is poured out, then that's when he starts gathering the armies to Armageddon. Verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices, thunders, lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake, and so great, the great city was divided into three parts. This is Jerusalem. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Okay? So when these seal judgments are poured out post-tribulationally then, you have God, certain things happening. But particularly in chapter, the seventh bowl is poured out. You've got Jerusalem being divided, the destruction of Jerusalem. You've got the destruction upon nations. And then you've got the destruction on Babylon. And that all precedes the battle of Armageddon. Now watch this. 
And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, and for the plague thereof was exceeding great. So when you get to the seventh bowl of wrath, you have, had, you have the armies gathering into Armageddon. Okay? Are y'all with me up to this point? What I'm trying to show you is that Babylon's destruction is before the rapture of the church and also before Armageddon. Not the same time. Revelation 14, I read it to you. Revelation 14, 8, destruction of Babylon. Revelation 14, 15, and 16, rapture of the church. Revelation 14, starting with verse 17, on through the end of the chapter, battle of Armageddon. See? Very, it's really not that difficult. Okay, that is the timing of the event. And that is, I think, important to see that Babylon is not in the battle of Armageddon. It is destroyed before it. Now, chapter 17, uh, chapter 13, let's go there. And let's talk about this political economical Babylon, this figurative Babylon, that the Antichrist will rule over. And that is what the, the seat of Babylon is what is being destroyed in Revelation 18, 17 and 18. Okay? Chapter 13, verse 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, his feet were the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Number one, this is Antichrist. Individually, it's the Antichrist. Okay? And also the kingdom that he is ruling over. Antichrist and his kingdom. When you talk about beasts in the Bible, the beasts represent, okay, rulers and their kingdoms. Last day beast is the Antichrist and the kingdom that he rules over. Okay? Very important that you understand that. So we're talking about, in Revelation 13, we're talking about the Antichrist in a one-world government system. And chapter 13 also shows you not just the one-world government, but it shows you his economic power because he uses the mark of the beast to control people. They, and he makes them worship him using economics because you can't buy or sell without taking the mark of the beast in that hour. So Revelation 13 shows you his political kingdom and his economic kingdom. Revelation 17 particularly shows you the false prophet and the religious system that will be involved in the last days. We discussed that last week, right? Okay. So when I see then the destruction of Babylon in Revelation 18, what I am seeing here is I am seeing the seat of the Antichrist world government being destroyed. I'm seeing the economical system that he has set up, the one world economy that is set up, which is involving the mark of the beast and buying and selling. I see that destroyed here. Okay? His seat. Now, Revelation uh, 13 again. Let's read a little more here. The Bible said the dragon gave him his power and his what? Seat and great authority. I pray you don't shut me out. I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, 
and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So what we have here then, we have a prophecy that the beast, the Antichrist, will receive what appears to be a deadly womb. He will be alive, was, okay? He will be alive, then he will be killed, was, is not, and shall be. Was alive, killed, come back alive. I'm talking about the individual Antichrist. But it's not just the individual Antichrist that's a beast here that was and is not and shall be. It is his, beast, his kingdom that was, come on, is not and shall be. And so the kingdom of Antichrist is revived Babylon. It is not so much the revived Roman Empire as it is revived Babylon because Rome is simply a baby out of Babylon. Whether it be religious Babylon in Rome or whether it be a political Babylon or an economical Babylon, it's just the baby that, that's come out of Babylon. So he will rule over, the Antichrist will rule over Babylon, a revived Babylon. And just as the Bible says, he which was, is not, and shall be. Revive Babylon, the beast, the kingdom that he will be over, was, come on, is not, shall be. Babylon was an ancient history. Is not when Medo-Persia inflicted a deadly wound upon it. When the Medes and Persians rose to power. After Babylon here, Medo-Persian Empire after Babylon. Right here, you can't see it very well. Medo-Persians inflicted a deadly wound upon Babylon, so it was, is not, but shall be. And so, let me go through it with you. Ancient Babylon receives a deadly wound, okay, is not, but shall be. And what the, sh the shall be is, is the Roman Empire... Babylon come back alive in the Roman Empire. That's how the Roman Empire can be of the seven. Because the Roman Empire is simply a birth of ancient Babylon. It's just a revival uh, uh, of Babylon. Not so much a revived Roman Empire as it is a revived Babylon Empire. Do you understand? That's why it's called figurative. Now, we've been teaching for weeks and weeks and weeks on this, and I understand some of you are going to be lost, but let me, let me, I'm going to try to make it as clear as I can for you to understand. What happens to the beast individually also has happened to his kingdom in history. He which was, is, shall be. Uh, he which was, is not, shall be, is going to happen to the Antichrist in the tribulation period, but it has happened to his kingdom, Babylon. So Babylon... Make a long story shorter here. Babylon is nothing more than a revived Babylonian system. Okay? Not necessarily a literal Babylon in Iraq, although that could be a player, but I'm not going to focus on that because I want to focus on figurative Babylon. I want to focus on political Babylon and economic Babylon. All right? Does this help you? So, Revelation 13, the Bible says, uh, verse 4, 
after this wound is healed, they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? So these people, when he comes back alive from what appeared to be a deadly wound, then they will worship the spirit that is in him, and the spirit that is in him came from the abyss. So that the body of Antichrist, the individuals that worship him, have the same spirit. And that spirit came from the abyss. Just like you and I, we are the body of Christ. And we worship the spirit that is in us. And that spirit is heavenly. Okay? So when we see God judging Babylon, we're seeing him judging the seat of the Antichrist kingdom. His rule is power. Okay, y'all with me? That, have come, that has come alive in the last days, whose roots are located in ancient Babylon, whether it be religious, political, or economics. That is vital for you to understand. Now, the scripture tells us, uh, let's go over to, let me think just a minute. Are y'all understanding me so far? Chapter 17, verse 8. The beast that thou sawest was, is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Number one, again, it's talking about the Antichrist. He was alive. Okay, you with me here? He is not, which means he ceased to be alive, ceased to exist in a sense, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, or, pit, or shall be. So this is talking about the ruler Antichrist, and it's also talking about his kingdom. They're both true. Okay? And his kingdom is Babylon, which is ancient, way back in ancient history. We talked about Babylon under Nimrod last week. Way back in Genesis 10 and 11, we have this Nimrod ruler with his wife, Semiramis. And they, they seek to establish a world government, a world religious system at that time, way back in Genesis. And he sought to get people to follow him and to do away with God. That's the roots of everything that's going to happen in the future. Okay? So Babylon then was, is not, after the Medo-Persian Empire conquered it, right here, you've got Babylon, this head of gold, and this lion right here, you know, is really the figurative Babylon coming back alive. You've got the ancient Babylon here, but you've got figurative Babylon seen in these animals. That's the difference. Okay? So ancient Babylon was, is not, when the Medo-Persians conquered it, it shall, it shall arise out of the bottomless pit, it shall be in this, right here, in the last day form. You with me? In the tribulation period. In it, okay, okay. I don't want to confuse you, but do you see what we're trying to show you? So this is the beast in his kingdom. Figure to Babylon. Hallelujah. 
And notice it says, The beast that thou sawest was, his night shall ascend out of the bottom of his pit, and go into perdition. That shows you his destruction. You can't cast a, a kingdom, per se, into a pit. You can only cast individuals in that kingdom into a pit. The Bible says, They that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. That was, is not, and yet is. Okay, I think I said shall be. In my mind, it shall be. But yet is. Got it? From their perspective, he's looking back. So it's a revived Babylonian system that he's ruling over. Okay? Now, verse 11, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. Okay? Are with me here? I'm very careful here this morning because I don't want to get myself confused, much less you trying to chase rabbits and explain a lot of this symbolism here. But, okay, are y'all with me up to this point? When Rome, we saw last week, we saw Mystery Babylon, we saw <clears throat> the political power of Rome, and we saw the woman who represented the worship system of Rome last week on the coin of a Roman, okay? What we have is... Rome, the Roman Empire, again, is nothing more than an extension of Babylon, of ancient Babylon. Whether it be religiously or politically, Europe today is an extension of ancient Babylon. Okay? Rome is an extension of ancient Babylon, religiously, politically, whatever. Even the location is, of Rome is, is important. You understand what you hear? So figurative Babylon. Now, the Bible says, look, let me see here, get a verse for you. Okay, this political beast has got seven heads and ten horns that the woman's riding on the back of the beast, on, on the back of. Five are fallen, one is, one is yet to come, it will continue a short space, and then the Antichrist will follow, it's the eighth. Okay, and that's the kingdom of the beast, the Antichrist. When you study Rome, which is just an extension of Babylon, there were uh, six times in history that Rome fell and rose. And the few, and I've got it in in, in my notes, but I, I'm not I'm careful to bring a whole lot to you today because I want to get to the point here. It has fallen six times, risen and fallen six times in history. And remember that Rome is nothing more than an extension of ancient Babylon. And when it rises in the future, the seventh will be a short period of time. The eighth will be the Antichrist, okay? And I see the seventh one is those ten contemporary kings with the Antichrist at the beginning of the tribulation period that form into the world government in the end. The eighth in its final form, Antichrist. You understand what I'm saying here? 
so that the eighth is of the seven. Which, if, if you look at historically the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, six times in history and one still awaiting, the seventh one that we, the Bible talks about and predicts, then you can see Rome fulfilling this passage. And we know that Rome, the woman, sits upon seven hills or seven mountains. And the Bible says they are seven kings. And so again, Rome, the location of Rome is linked to this beast that this woman's riding on. Okay, you hear with me what I'm saying here? So let me just bring it down to you. It's just a revival of ancient Babylon. That's all Rome is. Whether it be the Catholicism that's there or, or political or economic. That's all it is, all right? I know that's maybe a little different from, from the way you've, you've heard it before, but hallelujah, this is... And it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be the only way. <laughs> uh, there's more than one way to look at this. But anyway, the beast that was is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven to go into perdition. The reason why he is of the seven is because he is nothing more than probably genetically related to the previous kings of Rome. And Rome is nothing more than an extension of Babylon. And Babylon existed in the past, so he can be a part of a previous kingdom. If you want to look at it, instead of Rome having the, the six risings and fallings and the seventh future reviving of Rome in the last days, or really the reviving of Babylon, the form of Rome, and then the eighth, the Antichrist. If you want to look at it from a different point of view, there's probably some flaws with that. The five are fallen. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece. You with me here? Five. One is Rome. The next one, the seventh one, could be Germany in the days of Hitler. And the eighth, the Antichrist to come. My point is, either way, you, you know, God intends this to be fulfilled and interpreted there's many facets that will get you there to the same conclusion. And the same conclusion that is that the Antichrist and his kingdom is nothing more or nothing less than a revived system that existed in the past, which I believe is Babylon. Now, some of y'all look at me and say, well, Pastor, that's not so difficult. Well, it causes me meltdown. Not difficult for some of you, but it causes me a meltdown, man. Okay? So then when we see in Revelation 17 and 18, we see the destruction of Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. It's carried over into chapter 18, and it's also called a woman. Then what we see here is revived Babylon, the seat of the kingdom of Antichrist, being destroyed. Now here's what is interesting. Because it's figurative, it means that it doesn't have to be in the actual geographical location of ancient Babylon or Iraq. Today, the UN, I'm getting to my point now, the United Nations in New York, New York, okay, has five permanent members in it. And it also has an Eastern Western division in it, okay? Russia, France, Germany. England and the United States of America. Five permanent members. The eastern side is Russia and the United States is over the western side. So just like the Bible shows us this 
last day empire revived Babylon in the last days, coming out of Rome, an eastern and western division of Rome, we have it today in the form of the UN. Russia, France, Germany, England, and the United States. And again, the U.S. would be the western side and the over the western side, and Russia would be over the eastern side, so it even has its divisions intact. So right now, the U.N., United Nations in New York City, New York, has its roots in Rome. Let me explain to you. France, come on. France and Germany and England were a part of and in the heart of the ancient Roman Empire. Which simply was, when you take it way on back, was simply a part of Babylon. It just conquered the territory of Babylon. So today in the UN, you've got members, France, Germany, and England, who were at one time a part of the Roman Empire. Okay, so then you have, hallelujah, you have in the UN today, nations that are connected to Rome. Now, Britain, England, Britain, we came, the U.S. came out of, our mother was England, our mother was Great Britain. So in that sense, even the U.S. has roots or ties to Rome. Amen. And Britain has its roots out of France. Right? Okay. What I'm trying to show you here is that the five players, watch this, Russia, France, Germany, England, and the U.S. Are, can be called figurative Babylon because they all have roots in Rome, which is just an extension of ancient Babylon. And so the United Nations, with its five permanent members right now, will be superseded in the future by a Western-Eastern division where instead of just having the U.S. over the Western division and Russia over the Eastern division, it will be divided, Eastern and Western division, and uh, we'll have five in the West and five in the East in the future. Ten kings. Ten kings. So what we have right now is going to be superseded. And Europe, okay, which I believe is the place the Antichrist is going to rise from, will be a part of it, but not the whole of it. A part of it, but not the whole of it. Are you with me? Again, because England is today a part of the UN, not the whole UN. Okay, I'm just giving you this possibility here. Uh, hallelujah. Right now, it's not in its final form. It's just got five permanent members right now. Hallelujah. Y'all get them? Russia, France, Germany, England, and the U.S. U.S. over the West, Russia over the East. Eventually to be superseded. Now, here's what is interesting. New York City... New York, New York, where the UN is located, has in its buildings a place where you can go 
where there are Babylonian symbols all over the place, you can go in there and call forth the God from within right there in the UN. And I believe I shared with you, I, I, I've lost some of my notes, but I believe I shared with you, and you, you'd have to listen to this series to find out. I believe that I shared with you that they actually have 10 seats in the UN. And I think uh, one more seat, a head seat, the 11th seat, I think that's what I shared with you, that today the UN actually has 10, or let me just say, or 11 seats already in place. I've lost my notes, so I can't give you a definite. But I'm telling you that the Bible says, he talks about the seven-headed beast, there are seven kings, and it's got 10 horns, and it's showing you the kingdom of the Antichrist that he'll rule over in the last days, and the UN today have the major players of ancient Rome within them in New York City, New York. They have a place where 10 or 11 seats are already set up. They've got the Babylonian symbolism in that building where all people of all faiths can go and worship their so-called God this very hour. Okay. Now, for all of you doubters out there, <laughs> you might not be doubting, you might be just having a meltdown like me. Are you with me? Close to New York City, New York, where the UN is located, there is a small city in the state of New York. That city is called Babylon. It is called Babylon. And you have a statue out in the waters. In the 1800s, the Statue of Liberty was given to the United States of America by France. Gave it to him. All right? She is a woman sitting upon many waters. And when they unveiled her, and this, I, this is documented. When they unveiled her, they said that she was the embodiment, uh, the embodiment of liberty. That this woman is the embodiment of liberty. And she is the one that is set up to illuminate the nations. So that she is literally a woman sitting upon many waters. Okay? And she says, this particular woman says... Verse 7, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. And that is the mindset of this nation. This nation, let me just tell you, this nation has the heart of the beast in its leadership. It's got the heart of the Antichrist, the heart of the beast in its political leaders. It's got the heart of the beast in its religious leaders. It, it, whether it be Catholicism, Protestantism, Charismatic, even Pentecostal. They have got the heart of the beast. Telling you the truth. And she sits up there as a statue of liberty, you know, and, and she got, came from France, you know. Really, she's nothing more than a manifestation of ancient Babylon and claims to be the illumination to the nations of the world. 
So she is a harlot that sits upon many waters. And the Bible says, and we are a nation that's, that's surrounded our coastlands. Uh, we have a coastland. We're surrounded by waters. You with me here? So I'm trying to show you that you could be living in the very heart of Babylon. That will be destroyed post-tribulationally. Before the rapture of the church. And God says to his people in this place he calls Babylon. He says come out of her my people. And there is no other nation in the world. That has more Jewish population in it. Aside from Israel. No other nation in the world. And especially New York State. Has the largest Jewish population in the world. And God says come out of her my people. And be not partakers of her sins that you receive not of her plagues. Now listen to me very carefully. The Bible describes her. She says, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. But then God says she's going to be destroyed. Today, Americans, and I'm talking to you too and me, we have got this air about us. That nothing will happen to us or can happen to us. And when 9-11 took place, the seat of economic power fell. And not only did the seat of economic power fall in the trade centers when they came down. But the Pentagon was hit, which is the seat of military power and might. And they were headed to the seat of government. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. The plane went down in Philadelphia before it got there. Now watch. Listen to me very carefully. Former, former Joint Chiefs of Staff, Thomas Moore, M-O-R-E-R, Moore. He, three years before 9-11 took place, he, they discovered what is called unrestricted warfare, the war book that is written by China. Unrestricted warfare is what they call it. China has entered into an agreement with Russia, the Russian bear. The bear in ancient history is what caused Babylon to fall. In our modern day, the Russian bear has entered into an agreement with China to combat the military superiority of the United States of America. They are in agreement. And China has the book called The Unrestricted Warfare. And in that book found three, uh, uh, translated, translated three years before 9-11. In that book, China declares its plans of warfare against the United States of America. And in that book, here, here are three of them. Hackers getting involved in the computer systems and hacking the computer systems. Plan. Bombing of the World Trade Center was in the warfare book of China. 
and possibly bin Laden attacking the U.S. That was in China's war book that was translated three years before the towers were hit. Okay? Our government today, the military leaders today, see 9-11 based on this China war book against the United States as just the beginning of what is going to take place in the future. So China and Russia, along with and in this, this plan, is the use of Muslim militant attack against the United States of America. So that China... And the Russian bear in agreement today to combat the U.S. superiority. And 9-11 has the fingerprints of China and Russia, okay, and modern Iraq, Babylon all over, all over it. And because the United States of America has invaded ancient Babylon militarily, she now has replaced her in a figurative prophetic fulfillment of the last days. And I don't have time, but I can go to, go, we can go to Habakkuk 1 and 2. We can go to Jeremiah 50, 51. And we can show you that God says that he was going to use, <clears throat> yeah, come on. A nation describes the nation like us as going through the Middle East and conquering the Middle East. And the reason why it conquered it, Habakkuk 2, I believe it is, you can read it on your own. The reason why she uses, or, or the excuse that she uses to go and conquer the lands in the Middle East is because she is fighting evil. So that God is using the United States of America today to do what it's doing. But listen, just like God used ancient Babylon to fulfill His purpose in ancient days, okay, not, I'm not talking way back in the days of Nimrod. I'm talking about in the days of, of the destruction of the kingdom of God. I said the kingdom of God. Judah and Benjamin. He used that against his people. He will use a Babylonian power in the last days to go through the Middle East, conquering lands and territories, using the excuse, uh, we're, we're, just, we're trying to get rid of evil. It's in the Bible. It's in your Bible. Read Habakkuk 1 and 2. Okay? Hallelujah. And so today, we use, the United States of America use the, the reason for doing this as the threat of evil or terrorism. And God is using the U.S. to do this. Listen. Because these Muslim empires have persecuted the church. And so God is using this Babylon here to go and conquer and defeat these Muslim powers because of the way they've treated his people. They shed the blood of prophets. They shed the blood of saints. But watch. Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 25, it talks about a list of nations that would fall by Babylon. But at the end, Shishek or Babylon would be destroyed. So after God gets through with Babylon, going through the Middle East and conquering certain territories and eventually bringing the world into a one world government, when he gets through with that, 
that kingdom of Babylon. He will destroy Shishak, Babylon, at the end of all the nations. But before he destroys Shishak, Babylon, he first allows Babylon to go and to conquer the Middle Eastern parts of the world. That is the goal of the United States of America right now. Read Habakkuk 1 and 2 and Jeremiah 25, and you'll get this picture. What I'm trying to show you right now is that you could be sitting in the very land of Babylon. And if you are sitting in the land of Babylon, and I'm not saying you're the only, I'm saying you're the, the UN would be the heart of the kingdom of the beast. And yes, England would be involved. Yes, Europe would be involved. And all that. I'm telling you that this false sense of security that we've got, nothing going to happen to us. Well, it did. And they, 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 this former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman, Admiral Thomas M-O-O-R-E-R, -E he, they translated the Chinese war book and it was planned. And intelligence today, and I've got it documented, a high-ranking official says that is only the beginning. And so, what is interesting, when you read Jeremiah 50 and 51, you see the destruction of Babylon in ancient days was prophesied to be Medo-Persia, a bear. And in the last days, this Babylon will be destroyed by fire with plans already in place by a Russian bear with China. Using Muslim nations, just like Jeremiah 51 described for the fall of ancient Babylon in the last days. So, we're seeing it happen right now. China's involvement, Russia's involvement, using Muslim militant radical terrorism to bring down the United States of America. Now, listen very carefully. Before, before the towers ever fell, we were preaching to the prophet Isaiah. And I didn't see no vision, no nothing, no visions. I didn't see no towers coming down. But when I was preparing, and the prophet Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 30, thereabouts, the Lord spoke to me in my office and he said, the towers are coming down. And a few months before the towers came down, that's when we preached that. And shortly thereafter, those towers came down. Are you with me right now? Now, I'm not trying to make myself nothing. That's not my purpose here. But I am telling you one thing. God is going to warn His church. He's going to show His people things to come. And He, he spoke to us not before the uh, hurricanes. We had one major hurricane in Florida. And the Lord had us preach a message out of the minor prophet, I believe it was Habakkuk. And at that time, God spoke to us. He said, he's going to hit this nation with storms like we've never seen. And did you know it came to pass that one hurricane after another hurricane after another hurricane happened and God warned this church that it was going to take place before it happened? And it came to pass, my friend. And I will tell you this. Okay, there was a night, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I saw blood flowing in the streets of America. 
And I began to, the spirit of prophecy began to come on me, and I began to prophesy, and I prophesied right to my wife, the destruction of America. I've seen it. I've seen blood. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the splattering of blood. I have seen blood flowing in the streets, and they were coming out of buildings, large, huge buildings flowing in the streets of America. We have not seen everything that, by way of destruction, hit this land. And God shows us here in this chapter that this Babylon beast is going to be a persecutor of the church. So at some point, your very nation, your very nation at some point could become the persecutor, could put you to death. So, you know, we can't walk around. And, and why is this all happening? Because, and God spoke to me that night. He said, because my people have turned their back on me. Uh, whether you want to believe that, if, I, if I've seen anything or heard anything, that's, that's between you and God. But I'm telling you, the, the two times I know God spoke to me about, number one, the fall of towers had happened. And then number two, I know God spoke to me about the judgment upon this nation by storms and hurricane. Using hurricanes and wind and tornadoes, it came to pass. And whether you want to believe whether or not I saw anything about the blood flowing in the streets of America, that doesn't matter to me. But I'm telling you right now that this Bible predicts a destruction of Babylon post-tribulationally just before the rapture of the church. And I'm telling you that I believe that we are the seat and the heart of Babylonian kingdom. Plans are already made for America's destruction. But before Babylon is destroyed, God is going to use this, that nation, whoever it is, if it is the U.S., okay, he's going to use that nation to go into the Middle East and for the reason to get rid of evil. It's in your Bible. So you are literally seeing the fulfillment of prophecy in your day right now. You are seeing not the final form of it, but you are seeing the setting up of it. And I, thank you, sister, I am telling you right now, that you will either be controlled by the spirit out of the abyss and you will worship the antichrist and you will take the mark of the beast or you will be controlled by the spirit of Jesus being his body in the last days and that's a heavenly spirit. So you're going to be an earth dweller. You're going to be focused on earth. You're going to be motivated by politics. You're going to be motivated by economics. You're going to be driven by self. Or you're going to be driven by God and his spirit and his kingdom in the last days. Because there's coming a time, man, when he's going to draw the line of the sand. And if you're fooling around, you're playing around, and you're acting the part, you're going to have to make up your mind. To either get real with it or decide with the beast and worship the beast. Because there will be persecution. And your brothers and sisters right now, we live over here in America and we're at ease in Zion. And we say in our heart, you know, I said a queen and I, I am no widow and I shall see no sorrow. And we say that all the time to ourselves. But I'm telling you right now, friend, it's not going to stay that way. It's not going to stay that way. Your, very, your president right now has already declared his intentions that Babylon, our modern-day Iraq, is just the beginning. 
That once they, once, this is what he said. Once they get through with Iraq, they're just going to keep on moving until they take care of terrorism. They're going to keep moving right in the Middle East. He said it. His daddy promoted world government. And he used the battle against Iraq as the, the, the foundation of the platform to promote it. Iraq, when Bush invaded Iraq the, the first time, it was nothing more than a test to see if the world would accept a world government. That's all it was. And his son later in history now has invaded Iraq. Are you with me here right now? It is a fulfillment of prophecy. And I do believe that God is using it because of the reason why, you know, the reason uh, or the way these Muslims have treated Christians. But because, let me get to my point. Because this nation does not keep the commandments of God. Then when God gets through with her, he's going to destroy her. And that's why he, God used an ancient power of, of Babylon to conquer his own people. Because they weren't following him and serving him. He used that nation Babylon who was a pagan nation. An anti-God nation. To kill his own people. Because his people weren't walking the way they should be walking. And I, I listen church. Lord, help me, and Lord, help you. I cry. I weep. I am in sorrow every day of my life. I weep over this, my sin. I weep over your sin. Even after a powerful move of God in a church service, all I can do is stand over and, and just weep and cry because we're not where we need to be. And a lot of it has to do is we've been seduced by that harlot. We have. Every one of us got a little bit of that harlot in us. Every one of us have given ourselves to that seduction. Come on, let's get real with this. Let's get honest with this. And God talks about, He gives us a sign in the prophet Ezekiel chapter, I believe it's chapter 9. He says, go out and mark the people. That sigh and cry just before the destruction would come. And I ask, I'm asking God to raise up people in this church. And I'm asking God to keep me in a place to where I weep and I lament over the sin, over the spiritual fornication and adultery and the unfaithfulness that's, that's in us. Not just weep and lament over the, the false Catholicism system and the Protestant. Man, I'm talking about God's people. In Revelation 2 and 3, he warned the church. And so here in Revelation 18, he says, come out of my people. And I believe that to be a literal thing, that he'll call Israel and Jerusalem out, the people of the Jews, out of that nation before it falls, before it's destroyed. Are you with me here? But I believe also in a spiritual sense, he's calling you and me out right now. Some of us got her seed in us. This final kingdom, this final Babylonian revived empire that Antichrist will rule over 
This religious form, political and economic form, has the seed of Babylon in it. I'm talking about its genetics. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you with all my heart, I don't believe the church is going to escape these things. The church got to escape persecution. Lord, help me. I don't want to judge anybody, but I get a little bit concerned about people that I pastor. I discern the seed of Babylon in some of the people that I pastor. I get concerned. I got a little bit of it in me, man. But there's some, you got a lot of it in you. And you know what? You know what's manifestation is? Pride. Pride. Flesh. Can't do nothing with that flesh. I can't do nothing with mine. But crucify it, mortify it, kill it, kill the deeds of the body. You can't let your flesh and the seed of Babylon run rampant in you. You've got to mortify it. You've got to kill it. Guess what? God's going to kill that seed. God's going to kill that kingdom. He's going to kill that nature in us. He's going to kill that whore that's between our ears. The question is, are we willing to go through the fiery judgment that is going to take that whore out of us? Listen, I'm just being real with you, and I'm not preaching down to you. I'm telling you the truth. There are things, and in, in even my wife, and we've talked about this, things that, that uh, cause great warfare, you know? Um, I don't know how to explain it to you. Other than just to say it like this. If we have a hard time now. How in the world. Are we going to make it in tribulation days. The warfare to live for Christ. And, and, and to surrender the, to the leadership of God. And to obey his word. And to lay this world aside. And not be overcome by temptations. Battle, struggle, constant. We're thinking, how in the world, if we can't survive now, if we can't stay on fire now, and the flesh is controlling us and dominating us, and, and if we're committing fornication with the 18 kings of the flesh, and that's what this whore does. She commits fornication with the 18 kings of the flesh. And if we're committing king, fornication with the kings of the flesh right now, how shall we escape? I'm just, I'm being honest with you. And, and we've got to get something in us, man. We've got to get rooted deep. We've got to get rooted. We've got to get rooted in the things of God. We've got to get committed to God's work, His kingdom, His purpose, what God is doing in this last days. That's what I want to be a part of. God's a good God. And He'll stand before us. You, do, you, do you understand that tower that was built? That tower literally means a rostrum. It means a pulpit. And today, Babylonian priests, messengers are standing behind church pulpits preaching a Babylonian philosophical ideology and pumping the seed of Babylon into God's woman. Boy, I could get real graphic here. 
But all it is is a spirit overall over on the people of God. That's all it is. They spit on them. That's all they do. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to warn you right now. You better be careful getting caught up because whoever you sit under or what you allow yourself to be taught or you hear, that seed will impregnate your mind. And you will become, you will manifest the spirit of that king that has put his seed in you. You'll become just like him. If you're listening to psychology and philosophy that's coming from the pulpit, a Babylonian system of religion, it's not even in the word of God. It is nothing more than a new age philosophy. If you are listening to that trash, you are impregnated with it. Your whore is right here, and she's impregnated with it. And our nation is impregnated with the most vile, sinful, evil, wicked, political, spiritual, economic. It's got the heart of the beast. You know the Bible talks about, and I'm just preaching as I feel led here, and I'm coming to a close. But the Bible talks about, in the last days, the minor prophet Micah, it says, don't even tell the person you know what God has spoken to you. Because betrayal is in the air. Yes, and the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, husband will betray wife and wife shall betray husbands. The enemies, your enemies shall be of your own household. Man, there's going to come a time when the line's drawn so, so strongly by the hand of God that family members sitting in your house, even people that sit in the same church with you who are so carnally minded, who have been seduced by the whore, are going to betray the true people of God. I'm telling you the truth. That's what the Bible says. So there's going to come a day when each of us individually are going to have to walk very, very close to God. There's going to come a day when you can't always listen to what mama has to say. You can't always listen to what daddy has to say. You can't always listen to what your husband has to say. You can't always listen to what your wife has to say. You're going to have to test what they're saying by the word of the living God. Because if you don't, you're going to let something in inseminate you that will impregnate your mind that will destroy you. Do you understand these things? You wait till you get in it. Wait till we get in it. Do you have any conflict in your mind? Do you have any conflict in your soul? Do you have any Babylon in you, confusion in you? It's there, isn't it? But the good news is the message of the finished work of the cross, the message of the work of Jesus is what destroys the mindset of the whore. If you feed upon that message, if you feed upon the word of, the, of God, you feed upon the truth, and you don't let that whore dominate your mind and let, let her commit fornication with the 666, 18 kings of the flesh. You keep walking with Jesus. I know it's hard. I know it's a struggle. But you're in a war with the, war, with the devil, the world, and the flesh. You're in a war against that. And it's the message that will do it. Hallelujah. Y'all with me here today? So in an ultimate sense, we could be sitting right in the smack dab middle of what will ultimately be Babylon that will be destroyed. The seat of the beast. Isn't that interesting? 
Last week, I spent almost two hours teaching you the harlot from a religious perspective on Catholicism and false religious systems, etc. And when I got through, I'm going to be honest with you, I felt like that there was more to it than just the religious institution, that this harlot was more to her than just Catholicism. And more to her than just churchianity. That could it be us? And I don't want to miss God and not standing up here and warn you and give you facts and give you truth that show right where you live. And I feel today real strong in the Holy Ghost. That I've done the will of the Lord this morning. Some symbolisms, and I've got to close in just a little bit, but some symbolisms the ancient Babylon, modern day Babylon, the U.S. have. Number one, ancient Babylonian symbol was the eagle. Prophet Ezekiel describes Babylon as an eagle. Also, ancient Babylon was described, are you with me here? Hallelujah. As setting upon many waters. Just like today we're setting upon many waters. Ancient Babylon, Jeremiah 50, 51, describes her as being the hammer of the whole earth, an economic power. In ancient days she was, in modern days we are. Understand? In ancient days God called Babylon the place of the mingled people. In modern days we are the place of the mingled people. All races of people. Find their place here in the U.S. Do you understand that? Many things that said about Babylon. One, another thing, she's rich. She's extremely wealthy. An economic power base. And Revelation 18 describes all the wealth. Even the merchants, the sea merchants out there in the sea. You know the, do you know that the sea merchants have their own law? That they're not even controlled by a particular government. Once they get out there on the, on the sea, they have, they have their own law. The law of the sea. The law of the merchant. That's what controls them. Are you here? And today, the U.S. major trade, export, import, nations. And that's exactly what Revelation 18 depicts her as. So if we are not a part of it then where do we fit in prophecy? I don't think that we can just, you know, just look over all these facts. I believe there's something to it, don't you? Give God praise. <clears throat> so in looking at the text then in chapter 18, I close. He said, and after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. The earth was lightened with his glory. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Here's the good news, though. Let me give you some good news. The good news is that in the days of Noah, when he unleashed, released that carnal, carnivious 
raven. The Bible says it went out from the ark not to return. You know why? Because it fed on flesh. And all the dead carcasses that were out there floating in the water there, that raven fed on flesh. You know where that raven ended up? When it stopped eating flesh in the days of Noah, it lifted up its wings and it flew. It flew all the way through the book of Genesis, Exodus, all the way through the Old Testament. It flew all the way through the New Testament, all the way to the book of Revelation. And that ravenous bird made its way to Babylon. Where it feeds on the flesh and carnality. But here's the good news. Jesus, being baptized by John in the river Jordan. The Bible tells that in the days of Noah that Noah took a bird out. And of course, the ark is a type of the last days. Noah Type of the last days. Noah took that bird, that, that, uh, <clears throat> that dove sitting in the air. That dove came back, had an olive branch in its mouth. When it was released again, it flew all the way through the Old Testament. It flew all the way up into the Gospels. And when Jesus Christ came out of the water in the River Jordan, there that dove landed upon him. And that what that dove is saying is this. He's the true ark of God. He is the fulfillment of Noah's ark. He is the way out of the old world. He is the vehicle into the new world. You can be a part of Babylon, or you can come out of her, my people. And you can get in that vehicle, Jesus Christ, who's the ark of Noah. Come on, somebody. And you can be saved. And when all of this is happening, when God is judging Babylon and destroying her, the last of the nations, post-tribulationally, just before the rapture of the church, the church has entered into the ark of Noah. Protected by the ark of Noah. Ready for liftoff. The rapture. But you get in the ark. Before you lift off. And they got in the ark. And then they lifted off. And so we're going to have a glorified body. And spiritually, symbolically. Entered into the ark of God. Ready for liftoff. And at the same time. Enter into the cleft of the rock. Where he's going to hide us. From the wrath to come. Hide us in his nail-scarred hands. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. That's good news, man. I, I, I want to give you the truth today. I want to tell you, there's hope, man. You get out of that system. You get out of that world. Get in the ark of God. Get in the cleft of the rock. There is security. There is protection in Jesus Christ. But that is the only security and the only protection for the judgment to come. Somebody was talking to me the other day. I said, you know, in the days of Y2K, you remember Y2K? Everybody stockpiling a lot of stuff, you know, Cokes and candy. <laughs> days of Y2K, man, everybody's getting excited. You know, this is the end of the world, right? Well, what did God tell our church? He said, don't fear like they fear. And God told our church not to stockpile all that stuff, and we didn't, and it came and went. But the point is, a lot of people, they were stockpiling stuff, man. Hallelujah. But they ready for the end times. They loaded up with ammunition and guns and everything else, you know. And, and now one of them's in the church now that, that did that. Thank God he got in, got in the ark, got in Jesus, you know. And uh, the point is, is this, you stockpile ammunition, you stockpile water and food. But what are you going to do when God starts judging it? 
He said, you're going to take your gold and silver and throw it in the streets. What is it going to do for you then? I'm telling you, your only security and your only protection from these things is walking with Jesus and to have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which means you are totally, totally sold out to him. That is the only protection that you've got. But that's good news, man. God said, come out of her, my people. And they've got this, in the contrast, you've got all these other birds in there, demonic spirits. And you know what we're up against, man. Do you not understand? Do you understand the conflict, the war? Because the beast kingdom is not just a kingdom that's going to come. The beast kingdom is here now. And the whore is not just something that's going to come. The whore's here now. But Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer out of it. Come on, are you with me? The Bible goes on and says, I'm going to close here. Verse 4, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. There's the promise. Doesn't that bless you? Doesn't that promise bless you? You come out of her and you're not a part of her. God said you won't partake of her plagues. Well, how in the world, how in the world could God totally judge America and the church be in there and us not receive of her plagues? He'll protect us because we've got a glorified body. In fact, if I had time, I'd show you scripture after scripture and scripture of the Old Testament that show you hallelujah. That it will seem like that God has forgotten you in those days. But he hasn't forgotten you. He's just going to bring an end to things. And sometimes right now you even feel that. You feel like God has forgotten you. You feel like you're forsaken. No, he's just bringing us into a place. He's just preparing us. He's making us what we need to be to survive. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about what we eat and what we drink. I'm talking about spiritually. So that we don't give in to these deceptions. For her sins have reached unto heaven like a, the Tower of Abel, brick upon brick upon brick upon brick. And God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward even as she has rewarded you double unto her double according to her works. And the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. She wants to give you death. God says give her double death. Double death. You know how God gives her double death? Once. I wish I had time to get into the redemptive aspect of this. But he gives her double death, whether it be in an ultimate death or a spiritual death that takes place right now. Double death takes place against confusion, against Babylon, by number one, his death on the cross, and number two, you're dying to him. When you understand his death was your death, that is a double death that kills that confusion. And there's a lot of people, they've got knowledge of the cross. They've got a historical understanding of what Jesus did, but they don't have a revelation of Jesus. Boy, if you ever get a revelation that his death was your death, it will kill Babylon. Are y'all tired? 
Bible tells us how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. And I'm not telling you you can't have nice things. I'm just telling you don't let it be your master. God doesn't. He wants to bless your life with good things. Are you hearing me? I'm not telling you to go sell your house and all your cars and go move out and live in a cave somewhere. It, are you with me? But are you dominated and are you controlled in your thinking by that? Is that your God? Is that your idol? Do you worship that? See, hallelujah. I'll tell you how you know. Where do you put your money? Yeah. See, you got people, they'll criticize and they'll critique people who have things that God's blessed them with. But uh, why don't you ask them what they do with part of their money? That will show you where their heart is. They never put anything in the kingdom of God. Then their, their idols are Babylonian-ish. They've got a Babylonian garment in their closet. They've got a wedge of gold in their closet. They've got stolen silver in their closet that is consecrated to God for burning. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? It's not hard to judge. Not mystical mystery out there. Where is your heart? Is your heart the seed of the beast empire? Is it in you? Are you having relationships with him? Or is Jesus your husband? And are you in a relationship with him? And are you in covenant with him? Hallelujah. Come on, come on. Let's get real. Let's get real. I got one video in the library you might want to check out. This one prophecy teacher said it this way. So if you won't bring a tithe to God, you will take the mark of the beast. You will take the mark of the beast. Hello? Oh, I, Amen. Getting quiet in here, isn't it? The kings of the earth have committed fornication, live deliciously with her, shall bewell her, and lament for her. And when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for fear of the torment, saying, Alas, alas. Can you imagine? See, I just don't see this as just a literal Babylon. These people are, they're in ships out of the ocean, the sea. They're looking from a distance. They see the destruction of this empire, this kingdom called Babylon, burning with fire, man. If that's us, then that means there's going to be something that hits this nation. Nuclear weapons going to hit this nation and burn it with fire. I read to you, I told you not long ago, in fact, I read to you on the 4th of July not long ago that George Washington had a vision from God and in this vision from God, he saw the United States of America missiles hitting this land you live in right here and being set on fire. Your, your first president had a vision from God. So the Holy Ghost, can you receive this? Can you come out from among her and be separate? Lord Jesus, 
Amen. For in one hour is thy judgment come. Yeah. Half hour was fulfilled when Jesus came and died. There's still a half hour yet to be fulfilled in that redemptive work, and that's in you. When it's completed in his bride, one hour. In one hour, thy judgment is come. It talks about a day here, a day of judgment. Then it talks about an hour of judgment. God is speaking of symbolic spiritual truth here. He's trying to show you spiritual truth, not just ultimate literal things. He's trying to show you that if you ever get a revelation of what Jesus did in that half hour he came. Come on. And you let that be fulfilled in you, then you have a complete hour that destroys the, the Babylonian system in you. See, he's already done the work, but the work is ongoing in us to get rid of Babylon out of us. You understand? The Bible goes on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The merchants of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, finally, and all this. Talks about all these different things, material things, and all of them represent spiritual things too. The Bible says the fruits of thy soul, and even the souls of men are being sold. Your soul is a woman, if you don't know that. Psalm 34 says, David said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. There is a harlot that's being taken away right now. Two women shall be grinding at the meal. One shall be taken, the other left. What is being taken? The woman that's being taken is the whore. The one that's being left is the bride. Two men shall be in one bed. Are you with me here? One shall be taken, the other left. The one that's taken is the Antichrist. The one that is left is Christ. Why am I saying that? Because the bed speaks of rest. And you cannot enter into rest except Christ be in your bed. You're either in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, in bed with Him, in rest. Or you are in bed with the other man who is an Antichrist. You are the bride of Christ, controlled in your mind as the bride of Christ by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. Or you are controlled by the harlot. One will be taken, the other will be left. Talks about the souls of men. That's the woman right there. The harlot. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all things which are dainty and goodly are departed from thee. And thou shalt find them no more at all. And it talks about the merchants. They were made rich by her. Stand far off. Man, I wish I had time. What happened to ancient Tyre and Sidon is a picture and type of what's going to happen to America. What happened to Babylon in ancient days is a type and picture of what's going to happen to America today. You with me? They cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And thou, they cast dust on their heads, cried weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. I guarantee you, if you get in the time of the tribulation period, and this nation is a partial fulfillment of this passage, and they're taking you and putting you and your family to death, you will be glad to hear that news. Right now, we can sit back, no big deal. But I'm telling you what, when it really gets real, man, when it's life and death, 
Come on. This is heavy, man. I know this is heavy. But it's not meant to be light. This is supposed to get us where we live, man. It's supposed to. And I know I'm not preaching. I'm just teaching. Watch this. I want to find this and I'm going to close. Mighty verse 21. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. The voice of harpers, no more worshipers. Let me just bring it to you like this, okay? If you're in Babylon today, you don't have a harp. But if you're a part of the overcoming company of God who will stand with him on Mount Zion in his kingdom, then you've got a harp in your hands. And that means that you are a worshiper. And the Bible says, listen, whenever God's people were captured by Babylon, they took their harps out and hung them in the willow trees. And they said, how can we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? Because they had been captured by confusion, that Babylonian system. So they couldn't worship. They, they, all they could do is hang their harps in the willow tree and weep and lament and mourn. And the willow speaks of mourning. They were in a place of grief and mourning. You know why? Because they had disobeyed God and God brought judgment. And when God brought judgment, they couldn't sing anymore. Worship wasn't in Babylon. And I'm telling you right now, if you have been captured by Babylon spiritually, there is no harp in your life. You have no song. You have no song because Babylon is a place where there is no singing, where there is no harp. And the Bible says, and musicians and pipers, musicians, again, this is linked to the praise and worship, and pipers. A piper is somebody who preaches. You won't hear pipers in Babylon. You won't hear true prophets, prophetic preaching. You won't hear anointed preaching in Babylon. Because those pipers, those preachers have been captured by her system. Thank you, Jesus. And trumpeters, pipers and trumpeters. We know the trumpet speaks of the prophetic voice. Pipers, preaching, trumpeters, prophetic voice. It's gone out of Babylon. If you're not in a church that doesn't have a prophetic voice, that church has been captured by Babylon because God is still speaking a prophetic word. He's never stopped preaching a prophetic word. Even in the midst of Babylon, he raised up prophets like Ezekiel. Men who were taken captive in, by that because of the sins of the people. Really, they're on their own, not, not, their, not a fault of their own, but because of the sins of the people. Even the prophets were taken into captivity. But they still prophesied there. But there's coming a time when Babylon so captures people that even the trumpeters, the prophetic voice is going to be missing out of the church. I'm telling you, God's house and God's kingdom. Is going to have these things in it. It's going to have the harps. It's going to have the musicians. It's going to have the pipers, the preachers, and the trumpeters, the prophetic voices. It, notice it says the voice of harpers, musicians, pipers, and trumpeters. You ever seen a trumpet with a voice? Symbolic language. 
and no craftsman. No craftsman. A craftsman is a builder. People are involved in building the things of God, the house of God, the kingdom of God. But when Babylon captures you, you lose your desire to be a craftsman. You lose your desire to build God's house. And it can, it can get a hold of everybody, including me. you got to shake yourself out of that spirit. you got to resist that harlot. Our purpose for being put here by God is to build His kingdom, not our own. And if Babylon has captured us, then we have stopped building God's house. We are craftsmen that are not seen. Amen. And whatsoever craft he be shall be found anymore in thee. And the sound of a millstone. This, the millstone is the place where you grind meal. And this book right here is the bread of life. Yes. You take that precious grain of the Word of God. And what I'm doing right now, I'm taking this precious grain of the Word of God. And I've got a millstone going on. I'm grinding it fine so you can eat it. So we can make bread out of it. So we can give it to you to eat. But if you don't take, you don't take the grain and grind it down. You can't eat it. So in Babylon, there's nobody there that's grinding meal. That can be made into bread and fed to the people of God. But in God's kingdom, you got a millstone. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. At the mill. One shall be taken. The other shall be left. You know what's going to cause that one to be taken and one left? What's going to cause the one to be taken to harlot is because you're grinding at the millstone. You're going to the house of God and you're hearing a man of God preach. He's got the grain out. He's grinding it down. He's making it where you can eat it. Turn it into bread. And that's what's going to cause this harlot to be destroyed in your life is because there is the sounding of the millstone, the grinding of the millstone, the preaching of the word of God that's turned into bread. That's what gives you the victory over the woman is grinding at the mill. Come on, somebody. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. The spirit, spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. Not just that, the Bible talks about to the churches. He said, he said to one church, the church of Ephesus, not to all of them, one church. He said, I'll remove your light. I'll move, I'll take it out of the way. I'll take your lampstand. I'll take your testimony. I'll take your illumination. I'll take the light that you've got. He said, I would take it. He said, I'd take it away. So he talks about taking the candle out of the way. He's talking about the testimony. He's talking about the spirit of the living God. Because it is the spirit of God that is the light of the world. And that spirit of God that's in us is the candle to the world, to nations. So in Babylon, a Babylon is a place where the Spirit of God is not found mingling with the spirits of men. It's a dead, dry, formal, Babylonian religious system where God's light does not shine brightly. 
and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride will be heard no more at all in thee. The spirit and the bride say, come. You're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear the voice of the bridegroom in a church that's captured by Babylon. You're not going to hear the church, the bride that's been captured by Babylon saying, come, drink of living water. There's no invitation given there anymore. No invitation in hell. And there's more to that. There's more to that statement there. I just don't have time to get into all the details of it. In the Old Testament prophets, it talks about, just do it on your own. Read about where it talks about the voice of the bridegroom. It talks about the voice of the bride. And find out what that voice is. Hallelujah. It's not going to be in Babylon. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Sorcery. Things that, that cause you. What does drugs do to you? What does sorcery do to you? It alters your thinking. I'm telling you. He goes on and he says this. He said, by that all nations are deceived. I'm telling you one thing from just an ultimate point of view right now. <laughs> the philosophy of the United States of, the, of America I'm telling you, the heart of the beast is in it. Nations are deceived by us. Are you with me? You're not careful. You look on the, you hear these guys talking, these presidents or these preachers or whatever they are. You hear them talking. Wow, man, that sounds good. Yeah. Oh, U.S. And I'm not anti-American and I'm not anti-government. Please don't take me like that. I ain't in that stuff. There's a lot of people that are off into that stuff, you know. They will fight the government. Oh, really? I wish I had about an hour to tell you what to do when these days take place. I don't have time to tell you. But one thing you don't do is fight the government. I can prove it to you by the Word of God. You know why? Well, let me just give you one little example. When Babylon came to conquer God's people, he said, you surrender freely and you go into Babylon, and if you don't, if you rebel against Babylon coming in and taking you captive, you will die. And he that lives by the sword shall die by the sword. And if you try to fight the government, you are going against the will of God. If they take you captive, you willfully surrender. And I'm not saying, you know, if you see them coming, just say, here I am, everybody. Hey, government, I'm over here. Come get me. Come kill me. Come kill me and my family. Here I am. You can go from city to city when the persecution breaks out. Okay? But you, you don't take up arms. And he that lives by the sword shall die by the sword. You're not going to pull out your AR-15s. Come and get me. You'll be dead. I can prove it to you by the word of God. It says he that lives by the sword shall die by the sword. So what you do then is you just stand before them and you have your testimony. Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus. You can take me and you can kill me, but I'm still going to serve Jesus. So don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in all that stuff that goes on, man. All anti-government, fighting the government, all that stuff, man. Daniel, in the midst of Babylon, a prophet, made this statement to the king. He said, king, live forever. Daniel didn't fight the government. That, that Babylonian kingdom and government was anti-God as it could possibly be. And Daniel was a prophet used by God in the midst of it to testify the things of the kingdom of God. And when they took him, they found him in prayer and took him and thrown him, threw him in a, uh, uh, in a den of lions. Not a lion's den, but a den of lions. It's one thing to get thrown into a lion's den. It's another thing to get thrown into a den of lions. And he got thrown into And when they did that, you know what? When they came and got him, okay, let's go. God delivered him. I don't see Daniel getting with his buddies. Hey! Go get your swords. They're coming after us, man. We can't pray, you know. We got to kill them, you know. No, he just peacefully goes and submits himself to the government. And God uses him to testify. You do what God tells you to do. I just don't believe God's going to tell you to try to kill the government. That's what God's going to do that. God's going to do that. He don't need your help. You stay your place. You stay in your place. And what you're supposed to do might save your hide. It might not save your hide. You may end up being at the guillotine, cut your head off because you won't take the mark. Whatever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go see Jesus. Why would I fight going to heaven? <laughs> Doesn't make a bit of sense, does it? Talk about how good, glorious, and wonderful heaven's going to be. And we're fighting to go there. Fighting, no, fighting to not go there. <laughs> Fight not to go there. Hallelujah. Spend $200,000 not to go there. I get, go to the hospital, you know, boy. They go, Man, are you kidding me? I'm not trying, I'm not fighting to not go there. I mean, I, hallelujah. Lord, just one, one cut. That's it. It's over. One, one, one guy with one of those funny looking knives. Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm here. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't know that I would be this calm if it were right now, but you know. But, but they were the people that rebelled against Babylon's captivity. God's people who rebelled against Babylon's captivity. God said they were rebelling against him. He told them to submit to Babylon. And you know, Jeremiah the prophet looked to them like a false prophet when he stood up and told them that. They, this guy, he must be a false prophet telling us to surrender to Babylon. No, he was a man of God and he heard from God. Do you understand these things? And people who stand up and, and say what I'm saying right now are going to be looked at as, boy, they, they, they must not be hearing from God. They must not be true because they wouldn't be telling us, you know, to give in, to surrender to the government and not fight the government. They'd be telling us to get your guns ready. Hallelujah. Get your AR-15s and your 30-06s and your M1 Grands and your M1As and your, yeah, load up. 
Are you hearing me this morning? What you going to do? Fight about the hole you in? Single-handedly? Lord, you're mine. You need to wake up. You know, and if God tells us to go to another city or he tells us to go get in a cave somewhere, we will. But I guarantee you, you know, I ain't going to get my machine guns out. Stand out in the middle of the road. Them helicopters flying above me. Come on. <laughs> Ignorant, bad. Come on, I've been around long enough. I, I, I know people like that. They ready, man. I know. I've seen them. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you got a whole room full of ammunition and guns. But that room, that room full of ammunition, nothing. It's nothing against the whole UN army. Black helicopters coming in, knock on your door. You going to fight them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You tough. We know you bad. Rambo, get, get rid of your headband and... <laughs> Get a Bible in your hand. Get rid of your headband. Get a Bible in your hand. Hallelujah. That's, this is what we need right here. We know you're bad. We, we don't need you to die trying to show us how bad you are. We need you to exercise a little wisdom. Okay. Lord, I went too long here. I've I, I just been rambling on. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes though when I ramble on, I feel good. Sometimes I ramble on, I don't feel good. I feel bad. But I feel pretty good about rambling on this morning. Because maybe this has helped somebody, and it might save somebody's life. Okay, let's stand. Father God, we just come before you right now. We thank you for your awesome word, your great name, your great power, and your great strength. Lord Jesus, you are my defense. You are my victory. I give you praise. I, Lord, I'm full of victory today. I'm full of joy. I'm full of power, full of strength. Lord God, I just thank you, Lord. It's awesome to know you, Father God. I thank you for the victory over the harlot that's in my mind. Thank you for the victory over the beast nature that's in me, the fallen nature. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Help us as the people of God to be observant. Let us observe, God, as we see these things begin to come to pass. Be more and more and more prepared spiritually. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. You're dismissed, and we'll see you tonight.